listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. This episode of Rootbound is brought to you by the Noble Leaf. What is a tree without leaves? Do you drive for hours to see the bark change color? Do you even know what cambium or cadmium or whatever is? Didn't think so. Leaves, giving the world color since forever. This message brought to you by the Leaf Commission. Hi, Steve here. Welcome to another episode of Rootbound. And I'm standing in a little town called Kilchberg on the shores of Lake Zurich in Switzerland. And I'm standing in front of the Lindt und Sprungli chocolate factory. And this is not the chocolate episode, but because Switzerland is so well known for chocolate and I'm here in Switzerland, I couldn't pass up just a little bit of opportunity to talk about chocolate. And especially because I just went through the, the chocolate factory tour here at, at Lindt und Sprungli. And it was, it was like, it was like Willy Wonka, <laughs> really. Like, it was a really cool uh, tour. They went into the history of chocolate, how it has grown, how it is processed, how they make it into products here, and also just so much chocolate tasting. I'm totally high on chocolate at the moment. Um, what a really great experience. And so, even though this is not the chocolate episode, couldn't pass up talking a little bit about chocolate while I'm here in Switzerland uh, because it's so well known. But with that, Let's get on to the real plants we're going to talk about today, not chocolate. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. Max, how's it going? <laughs> it's going great. <laughs> Haven't seen you in a long time. I know, brother. man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Do you have a plant to share with us today? I do indeed. It's called the Yasminum Sampaguita. Very interesting. I don't know anything about this plant. I'm very excited to learn. Oh, just also for the listeners, if you hear any clinkling, we're out on a patio with some some beverages. So, uh, cheers. Some local Swiss beverages. <laughs> that was a bad cheers. Can we like... <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, that's eh. pretty good. Because we're hold, without holding the stems. Right, yeah, the okay, stems. try it again. Hold the stems, hold the hold stems, stems, and cheers. Mm, no, the, all right. the ice is gurgling away there. Anyway, it's, they're, they're, the beverages are still tasty. So anyway, if that's the sound you hear, listener, that's what's happening. Uh, mm. So just enjoy. Yeah, so uh, you said Yasminum... Sampaguita. Sampaguita. Yeah, tell me about this plant. What is it? Maybe it's common name, and why does it mean something to you? Basically, it's the... I guess a version of the uh, Yasminum sambac, which is the Arabian yasmin flower. Oh, yeah, jasmine, like tea. jasmine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's all right. I've been living in Europe far too long, and I think my accent's completely evolved into some <laughs> rather mutt English accent. But it's called yasmin here, and I just say yasmin. It's sort of more Arabic. Yeah, the way yeah. It sounds, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I can't help the way I That's, speak. No, I, I, it's totally <laughs> cool. I know I lived here for a long time too, and you develop an accent. That I've lost again, but I think you're definitely, yeah. Mine's just quirky right now. It's <laughs> totally. some mutt thing between South Africa, UK, Australia, Canada, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, totally. Anyway, yeah, ja- so yeah, jasmine, like the tea, which I not, I don't really, I don't really know much. I don't know if I've had much jasmine tea. Anyway, why, why is this plant meaningful to you? Well, the funny thing is, I picked this plant because when I first went to Indonesia, when my um, grandfather passed away, 
this was way back in time. I'm not even going to say when that in time was, but anyways. <laughs> Let's just say there weren't... If you went to Bali back in those days, there was no airport. Okay, wow. And there was only one hotel in Kuta, and you actually had to dig through the brush to get to the beach oh, wow. and catch a wave. Wow. And before you caught a wave in Kuta back then, you needed to either wear a wetsuit or cover yourself in latex because otherwise jellyfish would be nailing your ass. <laughs> wow. Okay. Literally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, that aside, um, despite the sad circumstances, my mom wanted to visit her university town. And uh, I went, we went great. So we were on the road and it must have been super early in the morning because the sun was just coming up and we were in the mountainous, we started hitting the mountainous area. And then my family decided to stop, said, oh, let's stop for tea. And so we just stop, and it's literally, it's a little tea pagoda. It's just made out of bamboo. It's got a makeshift roof and a couple of tables. Mm -hmm. And um, the smell was incredible. You could just smell this tea, but it had this floral smell. Mm -hmm. And so they actually had jasmine bushes with the tea plants. Oh, wow. And so they would actually kind of take the jasmine, the fresh jasmine and put it with the tea and it would just sort of steep with the tea for about the 24 hours with the leaves mm -hmm, like, mixed mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. how the leaves absorb the jasmine, I guess. They're like stacked. Oh, I see. I mean... Because they like pile it on top of each other. Yeah, is this, were they processing the tea from the plants right there? Yeah. Like live plants? Oh, wow. And the weird thing was, I mean, when we got there, literally, somehow, the girl, she, literally, she was still dressed in a sarong, mm -hmm. traditional, traditional outfits, and then she went into the plantation and picked fresh tea leaves. Oh, wow. And I'm not sure if it was infused afterwards with pre-picked jasmine, but all I know is I can smell that whole tea plantation and all those flowers like now as we speak wow it just stuck in my head and i could feel the mist on my face and i could hear the wind and i could feel everything basically because it was so intense everything around me and so since that time point in time i've been just been in love with this jasmine tea interesting <laughs> basically I, wow and the jasmine flower for itself and then when you realize my mom's favorite flower is jasmine. Mm -hmm. And she, they all have different variations and different forms and vines and whatever in Indonesia there. And it just covers everything. And the smell is just... Wow. I mean, I just... I smell it and I'm like, geez, yeah, <laughs> whatever. But And there's also... And the tea, I mean, tea in Indonesia was hilarious. I mean, it got dragged over. I think it was by some German guy <laughs> way back in the day something in like the um, 1600s who originally brought it over to Indonesia. Oh, so and tea, tea is not a native species to Indonesia. No, it not was, really. It was imported. Yeah, interesting. I, I mean, I love those stories about like plants that have these like complicated histories. That's really interesting. I wouldn't, wouldn't have thought about that. But yeah, I think, huh. Because they said, I'm not sure the guy's name, but yeah. it's like some Andre something. And it's, argued whether he was German or whether he was Dutch because Indonesia was a Dutch colony at yeah, the time. Yeah, right, right. But he actually brought it over from Japan. Oh, wow. Interesting. In wow. Indonesia. And then the Dutch realized they started trying to make it into a crop to compete with China. Mm -hmm. And then around the 16th century, they kind of struck gold and started to work. Oh, but wow. they realized it didn't work with the Chinese versions of the, the guy brought from Japan. 
they realized that the Indian Assam version mm, mm-hmm. of, the, of the plant worked better in the uh, tropical cl- environments of uh, uh-huh. Indonesia. That makes sense. So basically, your jasmine tea from Indonesia is a mix of Assam with the local variation of the jasmine jasmine flower. flowers. Yeah. Very interesting. That's good. I, you know, I yeah, I one part of this reason I started this podcast is one I just have got really into plants lately, but also. You know, I'm just learning. I, I didn't get into plants so pretty late in life. I mean, when I lived here, I, you probably wouldn't know me as a guy who was, like, really into plants. <laughs> um, oh, I'm... <laughs> so, <laughs> I get you. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I've, you know, so a lot of it's, like, learning for me. And I just realizing, like, I like tea, but I don't think I've really ever, like, fully understood jasmine tea. So that's that's on my list now. I've Yeah, that's really cool. The weirdest thing is, I mean, I love tea, too, but... I'm not also in, in the plants, but mm-hmm. when you realize, when you talk about black tea, green tea, red tea, and stuff like that, it's literally all from the same plant. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. just a different way of processing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, oh, I, I told the story in another episode, so I won't go into the details for the listeners. But I started taking a non. It's not tea. It's a different herb in my yard. But processing it the way you make black tea by bruising the leaves and letting it oxidize. Yeah, and it's exactly. a really cool process. And I was wondering. This is probably just speculation, but I was wondering if that process that you're describing, if they were bruising the leaves, but then like mixing it with jasmine. So it was like the bruised tea leaves oxidizing with the jasmine flowers. No, what they do is they take the leaves Mm -hmm. and it's unfermented. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. It's undamaged. It's Mm -hmm. like the younger, the better. And literally they just layer it on top of each other. Oh, interesting. It touches. Yeah. So you put down a layer of jasmine flowers and a layer of tea. Some more jasmine flowers, some more tea. And you keep layering it Mm -hmm. and it takes at least 24 hours, evidently, from what my aunt was telling me. And um, that's just the way they do. Wow, cool. Like, I I was almost convinced that lady, that lady, when I was a kid, in that mountain area there, literally, to me, it's like she just grabbed a flower Grab some tea leaves, mm-hmm. stuck it in the glass, oh stuck it in the pot, yeah, wow. and then gave it to us. So fresh. Yeah, that- that's what it felt like. But evidently, it's impossible to have it infused. But I thought to myself, if the flowers are actually in the water, yeah, why wouldn't it be infused? I'm sure it right? could be. Yeah, I mean, it'd be just like a, a like. A, I mean, at that point, it's more like a herbal tea. But I'm sure it's yeah. like got its own special thing, right? I think. I think we're so used to the commercial versions of things, right? Which you know somehow, yeah, you know, like you can't, sh- you couldn't, you couldn't ship a tea like that because it would no, no longer be fresh, right? Never. Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. green tea only lasts about what a year, yeah, yeah. packaged, and they yeah. say that's why black tea is so popular because it lasts like multiple years. Right, right, right. So it's funny, and I mean, even in the national cemetery in Indonesia, where my grandfather is buried, because <laughs> um, they have jasmine flowers everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they just somehow it's weird because they're not pest prone. Mm. Mm-hmm. Somehow I don't know why, but that smell just makes animals just sort of avoid it. Interesting. You may have the odd odd aphid, maybe the odd ant crawling mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. on the jasmine plant, but otherwise it's pretty well. Yeah. Do you remember the last time you're saying that you you have this like sense memory of the smell of these jasmine flowers and tea, which is I think a really interesting thing about plants in general. Like they can really trigger memories. Do you remember the most recent time that you smelled jasmine flowers? Yeah, I was at my mother's grave. Oh wow! In 2020, actually, when yeah. I moved to Indonesia. It's um so, but somehow that smell just actually eased my grieving, to be honest. Yeah, wow. Because it was like because of COVID. My mom didn't die of COVID, mm-hmm. but 
she couldn't be admitted to the hospital in Indonesia because for, for like four days mm-hmm. because they were just so full. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They couldn't find a space for her. Mm-hmm. She needed to be like separated more or less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she just sort of suffered at home for far too long. And then once the um, effects of blood poisoning took over, it was just a domino effect. Yeah. And just yeah. turned back. And so by the time I got there, after all the visa requirements and everything, I missed all the funerals. I missed all everything. And I just arrived to a hole in the ground with a wooden plaque, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, But it was just, I don't know, it's charming to just smell all the jasmine around me. Yeah. And I just knew that was her favorite flower. So... It kind of was appropriate in a way. Wow, to be honest. Well, that's a, a really interesting full circle story. I, yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add to that, um, but uh, yeah. But that was the last time I smelled it. But I mean, and the weird thing is, every time I'm in Indonesia, I always have to bring back some jasmine tea from uh-huh. Indonesia because I love the Chinese version of it. But I don't know, the Indonesian version is just so unique. Somehow, it's it's richer. It just feels thicker or, I don't know, more, has more depth or more flavor. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, Chinese tea, it's quite easy-peasy, if you want to describe it that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not very foody, mind you, but it just seems like Yasmin tea light, mm-hmm, Indonesian, mm-hmm. the uh, Chinese tea. The Indonesian version is just like, I don't know, you could just sip it forever, more or less. And then when you make it into an iced tea, oh man, that's just summer heaven, more or less. <laughs> sharing about jasmine that was a really interesting story very touching story very interesting like full circle story of a family so yeah i really appreciate you sharing with that do you mind if i share a plant with you of course it'd be a pleasure so you might know some of the stuff i'm always trying to pick a plant that's like fits the person i'm talking to so if you know some of these facts just bear with me because the audience may not but maybe i can surprise you a little bit and also i think you might appreciate that uh i have a maple tree in my backyard Ah, because of my Canadian heritage. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Now, you're not really from, like, maple territory, though, right? Oh, of course I am. Oh, yeah? Like, you're, what, what town are you from again? You're more like... A well, I was, bit... I was born in Vancouver, but okay, I mean, yeah. literally, after about two years of age, my mom th- literally threatened my dad with divorce <laughs> because she was so sick and tired of the rain in Vancouver uh-huh. that she said, we're out of here. or You know, that's it, mm-hmm. basically. So, we ended up back in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Good. In Ontario. And then because I was always shipped off to my cousins, more or less, and because we're in Ontario, every school trip you do, you jump in a bus and you winter time and you end up somewhere in a maple maple tree plantation uh-huh. doing your own maple syrup, uh-huh. seeing how it's made, and you actually get to pour it in the snow, let it harden, and uh-huh. you grab it, and you just uh, cool. do it all fresh. So anyway, like I said, you'll probably know some of this stuff. However, there's a little bit of a twist. The tree in my backyard is not a sugar maple. It is a silver maple. Oh, they're classic. Which is which is a bit more southerly. Mm. It is the second best maple tree for making syrup, but it's nowhere near as high sugar content as the sugar maple. So the, the sugar maple is Acer saccharum, which means sugar maple. maple. Yep. The silver maple is apparently, I just learned this today, Acer saccharinum, which means sugar-like. <laughs> So it's it's like quasi sugar maple. <laughs> Isn't that kind of funny? Because yeah. it sounds like what is that sugar alternative? Saccharin? Saccharin, yeah. Well, saccharin. Saccharin, I think, right? saccharin. I think just reading about this now, they chose the name saccharin for the chemical that tastes sweet 
because of that that I guess Greek or, or Roman root that saccharum means sweet. Because I mean, isn't saccharin like one of those carcinogens these days they've uh, discovered? Yeah, yeah. Or some, sweet, something like that. Sweet and low is whatever. Saccharin. Oh, yeah, sweet and low. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. But anyway, um, so yeah, when we my wife and I bought a house about four years ago now. That's something I say in like every episode now because all my gardening happened at this house. But in the backyard is a very big, mature, probably at least eighty years old, but I'm I'm guessing more like a hundred and twenty year old maple tree. Wow. Big, it's like uh it's like probably almost three feet in diameter. That's huge. Really tall, probably like twenty five meters or more tall. And um when I learned we had the maple, I was like, that's really interesting. It's a really cool tree, but I never thought about making maple syrup. But then a few years ago, Carl and I there's this guy in DC who does these um foraging walks where he like takes you around uh, in in places and teaches you how to gather wild plants. Okay, okay. And one of his talks was a uh, was a maple talk, and he talked about tapping maple trees in the wild. Oh, that's brilliant! And he took us to this little park, actually, in the kind of in the middle of the city, pretty tiny park, but pretty wild. And there's these two big maple trees, and he took us around the back, and he had this had holes drilled, and he had like pipes going down to two little gallon buckets, like milk jug buckets, and he was like tapping maple. And I was like. I have a maple tree too. I could do this. So for the past now three years, I've okay. been tapping my maple tree, and the past two years, I've actually made some maple syrup. Okay. Uh, I I've gotten about eight ounces each year of maple syrup. DC maple syrup. DC well Alexandria is just south like Virginia. Of the, yeah, Virginia maple syrup. Which actually, there's a the whole thing I, I learned later. Like there are people because silver maple is pretty common, and there is a little budding maple syrup industry. But yeah, backyard maple syrup is pretty cool. And it's a pretty fun little hobby to um, totally. uh, make your own maple syrup. And I have this little chiminea back there that I can do wood. I can, like, boil the sap with wood, which, you know, if you do it on the stove, apparently your whole house gets sticky and you also use a ton of gas. So I can do it on wood outside, which is pretty fun. And it's like hilarious. A cold February morning, I'm out there, like, you know, <laughs> uh, like probably like eight hours boiling the syrup down from – and I got, like, yeah. three gallons of syrup down to eight ounces. Ounces, yeah. basically, yeah. Yeah. So it's a pretty it's a pretty fun hobby and, and the syrup is really tasty. But then the other thing that I do a lot, which you know, this is another thing. I mean, you this is like obvious I think if you're from that part of the world, but for me I didn't realize that and maybe the audience doesn't know this too. Maple sap. When you think of sap, I think when I was a kid thinking of sap, I thought of something more like resin from like a pine no, tree. No, it's liquid. It's just water. It's, it's water, almost yeah. like water, yeah. And I didn't really know that, but the cool thing about that is is now when you tap the maple tree, you get this stuff that's really the consistency of water. It's got a little subtle sweetness to it but it's very subtle it you know and and it's got a little bit more like if you drink it it's got a little bit more like of a roundness of almost like a coconut water but not quite that round you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so you can tell it's not quite water but the consistency is there but one thing i read about and started doing is um when i tap the maple tree when i don't when i'm not i don't want to take the time to make syrup I just use the maple sap to make coffee. Coffee instead of instead of water, okay. which is a really cool thing. It adds a little subtle sweetness to it, a little mapley flavor, or making tea, which is really cool. And um, yeah, I yeah. mean that's what, that's what those trees are for, basically. I mean, in Canada, the way they do it is they make a, a ring around the tree, so mm-hmm. the, the sap kind of flows oh, yeah. around and out because it kind of literally, it's almost bloodletting in a way. Yeah, yeah, literally. But I don't, they don't. They put a little, little tap in there. But generally, most of the sap comes from the ring that comes around yeah. the tree and gets gathered in the old days in a bucket, basically. Yeah. Well, I have the, I have now the, um, I, I bought for my maple tapping system, I bought uh, essentially 
surplus Canadian maple tapping stuff. So like oh, so today, cool. <laughs> today they today they use these plastic taps. You, mm-hmm. you drill a hole, you put this little plastic tap in, you connect it to a piece of plastic tubing that goes into some kind of enclosed plastic uh, uh, bucket. But I have this thing where it's a, it's a aluminum tap. You drill a hole, you hammer in this little aluminum spigot. Yeah, because the metal has less flavor. Yeah. As a deal of And then the bucket I have is also aluminum and it just hangs on. You've seen this probably a million times. It's the classic look of yeah. just this bucket hanging off of the tree. tree. Exactly. And so that's what I have. And literally what I found the place to buy them, it's, you know, the whole industry in Canada is moving away from that system because with the, with the, with the uh, piping system, you can run the pipes from the trees tree, all the way to, like, to a right. You don't have to run yeah. out to every tree and collect every bucket. Yeah. So they have all the surplus buckets. So all my, I have like three maple tap buckets, and they're surplus from Canada, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, That's pretty <laughs> Yeah, modernization. I don't know. I, now it'll be called like artisanal. Yeah, yeah. Maple syrup or whatever. My you maple know. syrup is super artisanal, <laughs> but it, but yeah. I mean it's funny because Virginia is known for like tobacco. Yeah. And since you're basically, it's like kind of like tobacco lights, so Virginia lights. Uh-huh. So your maple syrup is like, I don't know, maple light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or light. Virginia, Virginia light, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. <laughs> you can market it as Virginia light. Yeah. Um, and so, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, then the other, well, let me, let, me, let me gather my thoughts here. Another interesting thing that I've done with a maple tree, actually, sorry, I, so, I've been drinking a little bit of gin and tonics, going to my head a little bit, audience. Let me regather myself. Let's get it back a it's little good bit. Gin. It's local Zur- Zurich <laughs> local gin. Local Zurich gin. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so let me get back to the um, a couple just fun like technical stuff. So the maple sap, the reason why sap happens, and you probably know this, but it happens only in a brief period of time in the very early spring or really late winter. Yeah, exactly. And it's this process of the tree moving nutrients from the roots up to the up to the buds. So right. it could start. So it can start budding, budding and creating, yeah. getting leaves, um, and it happens. And, and this is—I'm not 100% clear of this, but I also think science is not fully clear on this. Maybe I'm wrong, but it, it's a little bit hard to understand. But essentially, the days you get the sap flowing are the days when it is below freezing at night and above freezing during the day. And somehow that temperature differential with the coldness in the ground and the hotness at the top of the tree creates some kind of temperature differential, which starts to flow. And then if you drill into the tree at that point, that you're you're drilling into where the sap is flowing and, and the sap is, is coming out, this water is flowing out. And it's a really interesting process because, you know, I'll have the tap in there and some days because it didn't hit that temperature differential, nothing comes out. And some days, like, I fill up a three-gallon bucket in, like, five hours, hours. which is, yeah. like, it's a really interesting process. And, and yeah, it's – and then and then the other thing is uh, on the technical side is towards the end of the season when the buds actually come out – the syrup, the sap kind of turns funky, and it's not really good to drink you, no. anymore. And, and so that's when you know you're done. It gets a little cloudy. It gets a little yeah, funky. It gets, and you're like, okay, it gets, it gets muddy. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's over. So that's pretty interesting. Um, one, well, I think it's because I think maybe the permafrost warms, like literally warms up, and the ground water starts getting into. Yeah, that might be some of that too. And also, roots. also, I think once the I wonder sometimes. I think with too. the I think it also has to do with with the buds are really about to go. The 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 tree starts sending up more stuff for the buds, more which is not really like the sugary stuff, but other, I don't know. I'm actually just speculating. Apologies to any maple experts out there, audience. But another interesting thing I've done with maple, I've only done this one year, but I was hoping to do that this year as well. We'll see if I have time. Is maple trees have this really cool seed. They have the little helicopter seed. seeds. Seeds, yeah. yeah. They look like a little one propeller of a helicopter, and when they fall down, they twirl. 
and that's how the maple seeds get far away from the mother tree. But those seeds are edible. Yep, they are. And I didn't know that till recently, but I, the other one year I gathered a bunch, I shelled them, it was quite an intensive process, and I roasted them, and they're pretty cool little nut, actually. So I'm <laughs> to hoping me, to do that again. everything in Canada is an intensive process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, we're just raised with, we're kind of independent, not maybe like MacGyver types, more or less, but basically, you're up in the country, it's huge. Yeah. Oftentimes, you're like out on your own, literally out on your own, and so you learn survival skills. Yeah. And I mean, I love the maple, the little helicopters coming down. We used to grab them in our hands and go up to the top of like buildings mm-hmm. and drop them down. I remember we had a CN Tower school trip. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we actually <laughs> brought them up to the CN Tower. Oh, cool. And we just dropped them off to the CN Tower, like handfuls, oh handfuls of them. And they were just scattering around everywhere. What a wholesome Canadian story. <laughs> Kids bringing the maple seeds up to the top of the it CN was, Tower in Toronto. It was ridiculous. And then my one friend decided to like, you know, to see how fast a penny would fall oh. from the CN Tower. <laughs> Much faster. Not, not so wholesome. And then... We realized there was a factory below the CN Tower at the time, and the top windows were full of holes. <laughs> and they were from people oh, dropping stuff off the CN Tower. Oh, man. Mostly coins. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, okay, that was, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, okay, two last things about maple, and then we'll wrap up. One is this year, the last two years I did maple, I kind of missed the timing. I was a little bit late on getting this tap, so I didn't get as much sap as I could because I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. But this year... I had a I had a, a great little messenger that told me it was time to tap the maple tree. One one morning, a cold morning, really frozen morning, Carla called me in and she said, "There's a woodpecker on our maple tree." Yep, that's a good sign. I went out and looked up, and he was not pecking the wood for 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 bugs. He was pecking the wood for sap. Sap, yeah. <laughs> and then there was also icicles of sap coming off the tree from where he had pecked previously. Oh, nice, nice. And so yeah. I was like, "Oh, thanks, Mister Woodpecker. It's time to tap the tree." And so I got a really good yield this year, uh, which was pretty fun. And then the last little fun thing I've done with maple syrup, which our maple sap, which I haven't really, I've only tasted a little bit yet, but when I get back to the United States, it's going to be the first test. Uh, yeah, as, as you know, I'm a beekeeper, mm-hmm. and I did for the first time, I made a mead where the only two ingredients are honey I, and maple sap. Exactly. And I and it's it's fermented, it's ready, and so I'm curious to see how different that maple sap, the little bit of extra mapley flavors adds to the mead, which I thought was pretty cool. So that's that's my like experience with maple trees. I've got one in the backyard, and it's going to be something I do every year, and it's a... Uh, Never something I never thought I would do. I didn't really have any connection to maple before, but yeah, that's that's the story. No, that's what I mean. Somehow, I don't know. I think botany comes with age, more or less. Because literally, <laughs> when I was yeah. when I was a child or a teenager, or literally back home in Aurelia, up in Ontario, in Canada, there, my mom loved planting gardens, mm-hmm. but she didn't love doing the work. Mm-hmm. So I was the grunt work yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. So roto tilling. Picking the weeds mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So to be honest, I hated plants because <laughs> all I was doing was like, I was doing the work for it. But the funny thing is, we had a, a huge garden, and okay, I did all the grunt work more or less. I didn't like doing the work, yeah, but I liked the result of the work, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, come fall when you have your fresh corn, your fresh tomatoes, your fresh squash and pumpkins, and mm-hmm. all the tasty, and they taste like real yeah they don't yeah. taste like the supermarket ones that just basically are mostly show for the yeah. most part yeah and i mean a proper tomato these days you have to almost buy a cherry tomato to get any decent taste uh-huh. but otherwise you, you grow it yourself and then but the difference is incredible but yeah well that's I, I honestly i think that will probably become a a, a go-to saying on the podcast now 
botany comes with age. So thanks for coining that. That's a great term. <laughs> and uh, I think that will wind us up for today. Thanks, Max. All right. My pleasure. Good Ciao. seeing you. Ciao. Melati de melati, kupati melati. This lovely song is about the jasmine flower, and it's being sung in the Indonesian language by an artist named Sam Simon. The Indonesian word for jasmine, as I understand it, is melati. Melati de melati Sambutlah melati I stumbled upon this song on a really lovely little blog I found during my research, written by a woman named Lois, and she's a nice blog all about the jasmine flower in Indonesia. I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. After talking with Max, I got really curious about that process of making jasmine tea. And it is a really cool process. Uh, From my understanding, in the uh, original Chinese method, it's always made with green tea. But in Indonesia, it's sometimes made also with black tea. But how they uh, infuse the tea with a jasmine flower is super cool. Jasmine, from what I learned, is a flower that blooms at night. So... They harvest the jasmine blossoms during the day when they're closed. And then as Max described, they layer the blossoms with the tea. And then it takes at least 24 hours because they have to wait for nighttime when the blossoms open and they release their scent mixed in with the tea and it infuses the tea with the scent of the jasmine flowers. Jasmine tea wasn't really something that I tried I don't think I maybe have tried it, but it's not something I was aware of. But thanks to Max, I'm definitely going to be giving it a try. And with that, let me send you on a journey to the Alps.
My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Maximilian Defray. Max is a photographer based in Zurich, Switzerland, and you can see some of his work at maximiliandefray.com. That last name is D-E-V-R-E-E. There'll be a link in the show notes. Rootbound is hosted by me, Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Krikoskota. Fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. But if you can go outside, take a walk at night and smell the jasmine. This message brought to you by the Leaf Commission.